We are here because we are dedicated to helping members of our community build lean, strong bodies and confident, resilient minds. Determined to elevate the lives of working professionals, stay-at-home parents, and anyone who is ready to level up their life. Our invigorating group fitness classes, practical nutrition programs, and authentic coaches help ignite your life. Find a place that believes in you. Find a place that challenges you. Find CrossFit South. And welcome back to the Southpaw Spotlight, guys. I'm your host, Nick Bach, and I'm here with one of our coaches and good friend, Andy O'Rourke. Um, Andy is uh, the lead pastor at Antioch Community Church. Is, did I say that correctly? Yep. Antioch Community Church, um, uh, which has a whole other story that's awesome as well. Um, and so we'll talk, maybe get into some of that today, but we're excited to have Andy on, on the show. Um, Andy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. This is great. Absolutely, man. So I thought a, a good place to start would just be to uh, kind of give a, a brief 40,000-foot view of how you got into CrossFit and how you subsequently got into coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it was a little over four years ago that I got into CrossFit for the first time. Uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Scott, lives out near uh, the Wilmer area here in Minnesota. And he invited me to come along with him on a Memorial Day weekend workout called the Murph. And if you've been around CrossFit, you know that that's a, a, wor a workout mm -hmm. that people do in honor of a fallen soldier, a hero workout every morning right now. Oh, are you really? <laughs> yeah. So CrossFit affiliates all over the world do this uh, Murph workout every, every year. And I didn't know what I was getting into. But I went with him and I, there was this moment that is etched into my mind. Uh, it, it starts with a one mile run and then uh, it's a hundred, hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and it finishes with a one mile run. Anyway, I get back from the one mile run and I come into the gym and everybody else, a lot of people beat me, but everybody is in the gym. The music is blaring. People are uh, doing all you know, different types of movements. And I was just like, this is awesome. I love this. So I got hooked. And when I got home back here to the Twin Cities, I started looking for CrossFit gyms to become part of. That was almost, like a, almost like a fitness party. Yeah, it was, like a, it was like a fitness party and um, fun, competitive, supportive. Everyone was encouraging each other. It and was just super to clarify too. For super challenging. Yeah. Um, Murph is a, is a, that was actually my first CrossFit workout too. I didn't know that, okay. but, uh, just to clarify for people who uh, maybe haven't done CrossFit before or first time listeners, not everybody does that rep scheme or runs that far or even runs in general. So there's a lot of, a lot of variations of the workout, but the point is to push something that will push you out of your comfort zone. And it is, it is quite a, a, a test of, uh, mental capacity, I think, but Sorry to, yeah. to interject there. Uh, keep going. No, and no, absolutely. And I wasn't able to do the full workout even when I did it that first time. Um, so I, it gave me a lot of things to work toward myself. Mm -hmm. You know, but to see other people that were were doing it, um, yeah, it was exciting. Awesome, man. Um, so how did you how did you make the transition then from athlete to coach? Walk me yeah. through that a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, so I've always, I, I've always enjoyed athletics and being active, being outside. Um, many, many years ago when I played organized sports, uh, I played baseball and basketball and, you know, it, it, love to be active, competitive. And um, when I got into CrossFit, what really, what really piqued my interest was it had this competitive aspect to it where you're not necessarily, you know, trying to beat the person next to you all the time. That's not the goal, but competitive against yourself, trying to improve, trying to better yourself um, and, and, and make progress. But uh, it was also really challenging and a lot of variety. It wasn't mundane and monotonous. Every workout was a little different. Uh, you show up each day and it's the workout of the day. Um, I loved that aspect of it. And as I got more familiar with the movements over a couple of years, uh, it was kind of a natural progression for me to want to get involved in coaching because I, I do a lot of coaching type things in the you know, in the rest of my life, whether it's, uh, with my, my, my day job at the, as a pastor at the church or helping coach my kids athletic, uh, athletics that they're in coaching is just kind of a natural thing. So to apply that then to CrossFit, which I was really enjoying getting more involved in was an easy transition. It's kind of a natural evolution mm -hmm. when you, so this is great. And I, I want to unpack this just a little bit when you talk about kind of having this coaching dynamic in the rest of your life, specifically as a, as a pastor, obviously you're not, I would assume most of the time, not taking people through a squat progression when you're, you know, in a, in a church setting, but I, as a coach and knowing pastors, I, I do believe there's quite a, a number of similarities. So what do you mean in, um, when you use the word coach there, um, in that sense, what are you talking about? Or what do you see as the role of a coach? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in my role, in my role as, as a, a pastor, uh, I've act, we actually use the term coaching a lot of times to refer to uh, like coaching leaders. Mm -hmm. And by that, by that term, I mean, usually what you're referring to is helping, helping somebody make progress and uh, you know, achieve the, the goals, helping somebody get to where they want to go or where they believe God wants them to go, investing in another person through relationship so that they can grow in whatever, their, whatever area that, that is in, in their life, whether that's, you know, in terms of the church world, it would be focused primarily on you know, spiritual growth or relational growth or you know, growth as, growth as a leader themselves or growth in an area of serving or growth in their marriage or whatever it might be. So that's easily transferable to yeah. the CrossFit world or the fitness world because yeah. you're investing in a person through relationship so that they can make growth and progress. And the emphasis in the fitness world is going to be on physical fitness and health and well-being, but there's a lot of parallels. Yeah, I, I think that what you said, the, you know, investing in, in the relationship or investing in the person through a relationship uh, really hits the nail on the head. 
I like that language a lot. The, um, there are different levels of leadership and there are many different ways to define leadership. I'm sure there are many different theories on the levels, but you know, the first one or the, the most basic entry level one is uh, someone is a leader because of the position they're in, right? And sometimes we assume that that's what makes a leader, but what I found and what it seemed, what research seems to indicate is that the people generally don't buy into that um, on a voluntary level until they realize that you care about them, right? When yeah. there is that relationship there. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's we talk really a, a key of, of what we do as coaches is, is not just being able to teach someone how yeah. to do a clean or a squat or a pull up. It's investing in knowing who they are, what mm -hmm. they're about, what goals they have, what makes them tick, how they communicate well, and then being able to speak their language um, to help facilitate change in their life. Yeah. It, and really whether you're, you're, you're kind of, uh, going along the lines of exactly where I was going to go. So that's good with the leadership <laughs> idea, because whether it's in, you know, the church world, in a pastoral setting or a, a leadership in the church setting, or if it's in, you know, even the business world, there is a lot of discussion recently, uh, in literature about servant leadership. And that's a concept you see, you know, from, from my context, it, it's all over the Bible, a model of servant leadership. And uh, I, would, I would try to apply that to coaching as well. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, as a coach, I'm not here to show you how much I know or impress you, or, you know, or something like that, or um, to wield my position and authority as a coach but really as a as a coach you're you're here to to serve the the member of, of the team to serve to serve the athlete it's about them it's not about me um mm -hmm. and it's about me it's about me helping them get to where they want to go yeah uh, and, and that's part of that servant leadership i think where did that um, the term servant leadership come from? Do you know if, if is that just kind of a, a phrase that you've picked up or is there a specific, uh, did you read, read about it somewhere? I, I don't know. I, um, I like that phrase a lot. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Jesus talked a lot about it. Okay. So he referred to himself that way in, in, in the Bible, like in the gospels. Mm -hmm. Um, he said, uh, you know, he referred to himself as the son of man. And, um, he said in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So it goes all the way back to Jesus. And then you see it many other places yeah. in the Bible, but yeah. I think that's a, um, I really like what you said there, Andy, especially when it comes to coaching. And one of my foundational beliefs and one of the motivations actually for opening Southpaw was that I, I think there there was an assumption that developed as the sport of CrossFit grew and the methodology or the, the, the affiliate model grew in the kind of early days of CrossFit that good athletes make good coaches and they can, but it's, it's not, um, they don't equate 
across the board. I think it's it's necessary to have uh, gone through the, the the fire a little bit to develop your own athletic prowess or understanding to go through um, what it feels like to be an athlete. But I don't think that um, athletic credentials, so to speak, alone um, equate to good coaching. And I think that really what what does matter when it comes down to it is that desire to serve, right? And that's what that connection between being a pastor or coaches, and that's really in many industries. I mean, people get into, I don't know why I use the analogy of being an auto mechanic so much, but they do that because they love working on cars and helping people by working on their cars, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can figure out where you like serving and where you find joy serving people, I don't find joy in uh, going through complex upper level math problems, right? I probably wouldn't be a good engineer. Um, uh, But I like that idea of servant leadership a lot. Yeah. Have you seen that, that, um, did you, was there, did there come a time in your CrossFit career when you felt like you were ready to make that switch into more of a teacher and guide than, um, just an athlete and not to say just an athlete. Yeah, it was about, yeah, no, it was, it was, a almost two years ago. So I had been involved in CrossFit for a couple years when I decided to go through the, the level one certification, the level one training to become a, a coach. And, um, you know, there are, I mean, many, many coaches and people that know a lot more about fitness and, you know, a lot more about CrossFit fit and more familiar with the movements, et cetera. I have, I have a lot to learn, but I wanted to, to learn more myself and then take what I had learned already and apply that and help others that were maybe new. Um, but one of the one of the great thing, I mean, one of the values in my life is that I have is to be a lifelong learner mm-hmm. in, in whatever area that is. So it's great to be part of, uh, it's great to be part of a gym like Southpaw where there's a lot of knowledgeable coaches that I can be around and learn from and grow myself as a coach um, to teach, to teach others, you know, like, so I may not be 10 steps ahead of the person I'm coaching right but if I'm two steps ahead I can at least help them with those two steps ahead mm-hmm. of, of knowledge and experience that yeah. I have so that ties into something we discussed briefly offline but at Southpaw um, we encourage people to have coaches for in their fitness programs or, or um, and this can lead to more rapid growth for them or just um, you know, athletic growth in general, we see a lot of people who just go to the gym and, and essentially spin their tires. They're not doing things either correctly to really harness the benefit of it, or they're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the monotony has started to plateau. Um, but, uh, encouraging people to have coaches. It's my, it's my belief that the, the foundational philosophy there is, one of being a continual learner and having a white belt mentality that we all have room to grow. Um, and so I, I like to, um, I like it 
when we as, as coaches practice what we preach, whether that's being willing to take a cue in class or learning more about leadership or going to coaching seminars or whatever that happens to be. Um, what are ways that you, you know, over the past year or two that you've tried to improve your own coaching outside of just the act of coaching itself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I can, a couple ways, you know, that I've tried to improve coaching and I'm still trying to do that come to mind. Um, I mean, re if, if there's a, if, if there's a, a workout that I'm scheduled, you know, to coach on that day. And it, if it's definitely, if it's something, a movement that I'm not familiar with at all, right. I'll have to do some research, uh, whether that's reading or watching some different, different videos to try to educate myself on, on proper movement mechanics, safety, etc. That's been really helpful or, you know, additional, additional courses or certifications. Um, I've, I've done some of, some of that, but for I me, assume that's kind of like uh, sort of interject here, but that's yeah. similar to when you're preaching, you know, you've read through the Bible a number of times, but if you're going to give a sermon on second Corinthians 12, nine, you're going to go read that. Right. And, right. and maybe in different versions and try to look at some of the, um, you know, etymology of the words or the stories around it or that it yep. ties into just as yeah. a refresher. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's a great, that's a great example. I'll, I'll, I'll use your example. Cause it's good. Um, you know, it's helpful with like preaching. If you want to improve in preaching to read some books on preaching, to read some articles on preaching, but one of the, one of the maybe even more helpful ways to grow is like to listen to a lot of different mm -hmm. types of preachers mm -hmm. and learn that way too. So I think one of the most helpful things for me is uh, to, uh, to attend the different, different classes where there's different mm -hmm. coaches coaching and see how other coaches, you know, lead through the, the warm up, how they explain movements. Um, I learn best from like observing someone mm -hmm. doing something and explaining something and then trying to do it myself, mm -hmm. even for me, even more than like reading about it, yeah. like, seeing, seeing it in person, hearing it in person. I learned well that way. So um, learning from the other coaches that I'm around at Southpaw, I think has been huge. Um, and I'll even if I'm coaching, you know, in the middle of the day, uh, you know, on a Tuesday, for instance, I love to go to the, the early morning class and that really helps me to effectively coach even better later on mm -hmm. in the day. If I've gone through the workout myself and then heard someone explain things maybe a little differently than I would. And, and it gives you a framework and some ideas. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think that's, um, this is a, a quote that can be controversial, but uh, a guy that I, I admire in many ways is one of his favorite quotes and he repeats it over and over. Good artists borrow, great artists steal, right? The idea that um, it's not, um, and it, it's not direct stealing, right? It's, it's, it's taking an idea that you like and that you've seen and morphing it into your own, right? So it's not just complete plagiarism, but it's like, hey, I, I really like the format of that. And, what I was thinking about when you were 
talking or one of the things that I was thinking about was watching another coach coach or going to a, a presentation or a, watching a pastor preach and then evaluating it through a framework of, okay, why did they do things that way? It could be the tone of their voice. It could be the cadence that they used or a particular movement they used in their warm-up. Um, and then in the in that context, having a conversation with them or with somebody else about the more overarching themes of it. You know, I've had a few coaches come up to me after classes recently and asked for feedback or asked, why do we do this or that? And there's usually intention behind it. And it's, it's great to have those. And if not, it helps you or helps me as a, as a coach think more critically about what I did or what I saw. And I think that yeah. those interactions, whether that's on a, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one level or more group level are so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, to grow as a coach, you know, reading and research for sure, but then learning from other coaches. And the other, the, the other thing that comes to mind too, kind of goes back to that foundation of relationship with the athletes mm -hmm. that you're coaching. Um, I really think the relationship that you have with them and the tone that you set in the class that you're coaching, it's, it's so, so important. So if I have, for instance, um, a posture of a posture of humility, you know, I can, I can give some instruction, I can do some teaching, but there's a lot of things that I don't know, right? And if somebody asks a question about something that I don't know the answer to, I can just be, you know, have, have humility and be honest and say, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. Or I can, you know, be, be open and vulnerable um, about myself as an athlete, you know, like for instance, if I'm, if I'm teaching a movement to the class and that's a, if it's a really hard movement for me, you know, mm -hmm. because of a mobility issue or I can get a front rack with the PVC pipe. So yeah. Yeah. Whatever, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, this has happened recently where, you know, I'll, I'll demonstrate the movement and, and I'll just be honest and say, this is a really hard movement for me. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what that does, um, you, you, you know, as a coach, you're not posturing, you're not yeah. acting like, you know, everything and mm -hmm. you're making, you're making, you're having vulnerability and humility mm -hmm. that will go a long way. It to, allows them to feel more comfortable being vulnerable with you. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives you credibility. It, it makes gives you, you credibility. Yeah. Yep. And I think it gives you well more credibility to, to speak into their, into their lives. Yeah. Because you know, they trust and respect you then. Sometimes the, the best coaches are mediocre athletes who have had to really go like, there are people I've seen come in just pick up a barbell and be able to do an almost flawless clean the first try. But when you've really mm -hmm. had to struggle with it and learn it and figure out how to get into the correct position and uh, catch it in a squat or whatever that happens to be, it, it really helps you own that movement. So I think there's a, a taking it in a different direction. I think that that can be a, a positive thing as well of yeah. really needing to go through the, the pieces to help learn that. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that does, I think, tie back into the idea of servant leadership, right. Of, of being vulnerable. And um, something that I try to do too, is when people ask a question that I, I don't know the answer to, or I'm not 
100% sure on it is I say, you know, I'm not sure about that. We're going to do this today, but I'm going to look it up and get back to you. Right. Yeah, and that absolutely. has that element, I think, of um, humility yeah. while also establishing the um, um, kind of energy and keeping the energy up of the class or whatever that happens to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And if it's, if it's a, if it's a very involved, you know, discussion about something, you can, you can take the time to chat, you know, offline mm -hmm. or after the class with that yeah. individual or work, work with them separately. Um, this, this made me think of, you know, it's just like having a, a professor in college or a teacher in high school. And I know, I remember going into my AP US history class, I probably shouldn't have been in the AP class debatably, <laughs> but we had the most phenomenal teacher in high school, Mr. Simpson, and he was a, a maniac, uh, but just a great teacher. And I loved the class, right? And same thing with some of my classes in, in college. And I had ones that I, I thought the title of the course was like the, the coolest thing, you know, and I was going to love it. And it was just a bomb. And a lot of it was because of the professor or teacher and there were right. certainly things that I could have done to make myself enjoy it more or become more engaged in the class but the point of this is that a lot of a lot of our demographic are busy with kids with work with uh, social lives and their families and everything else going on and quite frankly they don't have time to go search out all those resources and we don't expect them to so we want them to be able to come in to a place where they're known and they don't have to think about the workout. They don't have to think about how to do it. They know that they're going to be get, do it safely by someone who yeah. cares about them. Yep. 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 They know they're going to be, they know they're going to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And yeah, most of the, most of the adults that are, are part of the gym, they're not, they're not preparing for, you know, some fitness competition. Yeah, they're not they're not heavy, heavy training, preparing for, you know, mm -hmm. uh, being a professional athlete or something like that. They're, they want to look good. They want to feel good. They want to have a place where they belong, leave, mm -hmm. leave feeling like, hey, I got a good workout. I can approach the rest of my life now. And, you know, and I would also cool. say this. I haven't thought about this until you said it that way. When I, you know, the high level CrossFit athletes are, are whoever that I've encountered a lot of times, you know, they're training three to four hours a day, mm -hmm. trying to sleep eight to 10 eating. Right. But the, the stressors outside of physical stress in their life is very low. And for a lot of our members, the stress in their life, um, physically is, is moderate to high with the training that we do. But when you pair that with the stress of all the other things going on in their life, it still is a tax on the head on the central nervous system, which is why we really um, are careful to make sure that people aren't overdoing it and really focus on, on the longevity side of things. But it's, it's similar, just not, um, it's not separate, but equal. That's, there, that's yeah. not the quote I'm going for there. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. Or maybe it is separate, but equal. It's just different. Right. Yeah. And we, well, we want different you know, we want people to be able to, you know, to come to the gym four or five times a week, not just two times because they absolutely destroyed themselves on those two days and they, <laughs> they have to recover for three days to come to the next class. Yeah. You know, Andy, I, um, 
as we wrap up here, I have a, a kind of a standard closing question, but I'm not going to do that with you. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. I just popped into my head as we've been talking. Um, the standard closing question is what would you tell someone who was thinking about getting into CrossFit? But with you, I'd like to ask you, what do you see as a, a, how does spirituality and how do fitness and spirituality synergize each other do they and do yeah. you think that they do is there an interplay there do they help each other um grow in a sense yeah no that's a good that's, that's a, a good big question. topic too so yeah no that's a that's a good question and i've i've actually thought a lot about that and i've continued to think a lot about that um i'm a big i'm a big believer that when you talk about you know what does it mean what does it mean to be a healthy person? You know, if you, if that's the question that you're wrestling with, um, as, as, as human beings, we're not just, we're not just physical matter, mm -hmm. um, at least from, from my perspective and from, from my paradigm, um, you know, we're, we're physical beings, we're mental beings, we're emotional beings and we're spiritual beings, mm -hmm. you know, so, you can't if you only address getting more physically healthy in your life through fitness uh that's only a fraction of the pie of how you're made up like health is holistic mm. is what i'm getting at yeah but on the other side if you're trying to grow spiritually but you're not eating healthy you're not taking care of yourself physically that's also, you know, wrong. That's a, that's an error on the other side. So I really think to pursue health as a as a person, as as I believe, you know, God has made us and designed us and wired us. It's a holistic pursuit. So that means emotional health, spiritual health, and physical health. So I know I know for me personally, there's so many be benefits from physical fitness that it that don't just relate to you know building muscle or losing weight mm -hmm. that's what i'm not i'm not talking about that i'm just i'm i'm talking about how physical fitness and physical health impacts every other every other area of your life you know it helps you say deal that with I... depression and anxiety and yeah. working working out is so helpful for those things and stress there, it's I'm all not, intertwined. Um, I don't, I've never thought of it this way, but when I have a good workout or I'm in a, a good part of life where I'm exercising regularly, I'm more in tune with the miraculous in my own life. I'm more yeah. aware of it, right? With the, the little moments that are just like, wow, that sunset is just is r spot on right now. Or like that was really nice of that person to do that or that person really looks like they're hurting right now i'm just i'm less in my own head and more present yeah. with how i'm connecting in the world which is a a gift and i heard mm -hmm. recently that someone postulate or sort of speculate that our 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 unique advantage as humans is identity alchemy and i to unpack that briefly i thought it was fascinating but you know if if it's a sheer like speed thing like cheetahs have us beat 
it, mm -hmm. most animals have us beat. If it's a strength thing, I'm sure there's apes and gorillas and lions that would maul me to death. So the, the physical component is, is important. And it's, as you know, there's so many reasons that we live longer and whatever to be in good physical shape, but our ability to um, change our identity and how we process things, how we look at the world and think of creative solutions um, rather than just always having this biological primal response to each situation that comes to us mm -hmm. is really what makes us human. And I think yeah. exercise um, allows me to do that more rapidly. Um, and it opens my mind to experiences that I may not otherwise see, whether that's spiritually, mentally, physically, whatever that happens to be. Yeah, absolutely. It helped. And that, that's exactly what I'm getting at. It helps you to be able to enjoy life and experience joy in the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, yeah, it's, it's all intertwined into what it means to be a healthy person. All these mm -hmm. different aspects are important. Yeah. I like this idea. We were talking about it. Um, I talked to Drew Shep um, yesterday mm -hmm. and I can't remember the word that we came up with, but uh, I don't like the idea that like happiness is the end all be all of life. And it's, it's, a, it's almost an empty word to say, like, I, I just want to be happy. Right. And it's not about happiness per se, or just being content. It's about finding meaning. Right. Or um, mm -hmm finding this this synergistic effect in our life where we can kind of fire on all cylinders between the various things that we're working on um, mm -hmm. yeah. and that doesn't mean that you have balance all the time right that there are days where you're inspired and you're just going and there are days yeah. that you need more rest and uh anyway it's beautiful and fascinating and there's so many areas to explore but i really appreciate your time today andy uh it's great having you on um uh thank you so much yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. All right, man. Will you take care? We'll see you soon. All right, we'll see you.